Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amovi Kugo, back again with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be talking with individuals from around the soccer world, learning about their stories and getting their unfiltered thoughts and opinions. This week, we'll be talking with CEO of TechBall, AJ Nuoso. AJ is someone that uh, I've been trying to connect with for quite some time. We finally made it happen. Shout out to Anandi. Um, but we're going to be getting to know all about AJ and his, and his great growing favorite football players off the pitch. Awesome. It's a pleasure to be here, guys. No, thank you for uh, thank you for taking the time. Uh, as as we talked about offline, I feel like I always see you in a suit. Uh, we're going to get into that, but we start off with two truths and a cap. So, L, uh, take us away. All right, two truths and a cap. So this is a quick icebreaker game where AJ will tell us a little bit, tell us three facts about himself. Two will be true, one will be a lie. You know, Moby and I have to guess what the lie is. So I think we're still 4-1. We've been 4-1 for a few months now. <laughs> um, so I need to get on the board. need to get some more points up. Uh, so AJ, whenever you're ready. Sure, absolutely. Um, so two truths and a lie. Um, I'll tell you three three different facts. Um, first one is I've met Ronaldo. Uh, second one is I've lived in four different continents. Okay. And the third one is... Um, I have a degree in aerospace engineering. Damn. He's Nigerian, so engineering. But he played professionally, so I'm not sure when he was able to do that. He's founder of uh, C sorry, CEO of Techball. Every soccer player has come across Techball, so I'm going my cap is the four continents. Wait, wait, no, hold up. Uh, Europe, Asia. Yeah, my damn. This is hey, this is pretty good. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say aerospace engineering is the lie. I might have to switch it up. I think it might be something else. Like, yeah, I don't think it's aerospace engineering. Yeah. I'm agreeing with you, L. <laughs> so you going bad. with uh, L's? Yeah, I'm going with L's as well. Okay. Um so the lie is actually I haven't met Ronaldo. What? Oh damn. Yes. Damn. <laughs> it was too good to be true, huh? I Let's see, I thought I thought I had it by looking at his LinkedIn when I was doing some research, but must have missed that one. We both, we yeah. both. So even my first option was wrong. Uh, yeah, so uh, I've lived in four different continents, and uh, I have uh, a national diploma in aeronautical engineering. So. Mm, wow. So real quick, before we get into the meat of the conversation, when did you have the time to get this? Great question. So um, growing up in England, obviously, went to school. And um, between the age of 16 and 18, I played for the academy of a professional club. Right? Yeah. So during that time, you train for three hours in the morning. You go to what we call a college in the afternoon, a place called Filton College, which is uh, like you can study whatever course you want to. And your grades in that course enables you to go to university after the fact, or you sign a professional contract when you're 18. So that's sort of the framework of the way it works. So we train three hours in, in the morning and then go to uh, classes for three hours in the afternoon. Um, during that time, for two years, my course I picked was aerospace engineering. Uh, and maybe you should know that having Nigerian parents. So the balance was I would play soccer and do engineering in the afternoon. Um, uh, I really enjoyed it. I've always had a fascination for airplanes since I was a kid. And so that was kind of, uh, uh, I would say, an aggregate of both worlds kind of coming together. 
uh, for me, but uh, for my dissertation, we put together, we took apart a Cessna and put it back together. And um, yes, uh, fun times, but I did that for two years and then got my national diploma, which enabled me to go to uh, get a scholarship to go into college and play. Unbelievable. Hey, so audience, if you don't know, now you know, AJ is a genius and um, (laughs) it's going to be a very, it's going to be a very, very fun uh, episode. So AJ, when did you first fall in love with soccer? Because you just spoke about, you know, the value of education when it comes to Nigerian parents. I'm sure they were very impressed on the track for being a professional soccer player, but also on track to be, I mean, a, a, a NASA scientist as well. So when did you fall in love with soccer? Yeah, so I fell in love with soccer from uh, an early age, uh, as you and I both know, it was football. But uh, I would say age six was when I kind of fell in love with the soccer ball, um, which is slightly later than most. Um, but um, I grew up, um, I lived in the Middle East. I lived in Saudi Arabia growing up and um, spent uh, five years of my life there. And that's really where I truly fell in love with, uh, with soccer. That's amazing. So, I mean, obviously... The World Cup is in Qatar this upcoming. Mm-hmm. Take it full circle. You final. You grew up in the Middle East. You fell in love with soccer there, and then I'll, I'm not aging you, but now World Cup's coming to the Middle East. Talk about the evolution as you've grown into soccer and the World Cup coming to the Middle East as well. Sure, uh, I think uh, if you look at the sort of dichotomy of the makeup of social constructs. And the World Cup, the tapestry of the World Cup, where it's been and where it's going right now, right? Um, I think the time is right uh, where the World Cup should be held uh, in the Middle East. You look at uh, what FIFA are looking at as far as Africa is held the World Cup, South Africa. Uh, it's always held in Europe. It's been held in, in South America. It's been held in North America. And um, from a uh, obviously the GCC, this will be the first time they, they host the World Cup. And so I think it's it's an inspirational point, right? Because I think uh, you look at, at Saudi Arabia, you look at uh, Dubai and UAE over there, you look at Qatar, they have strong soccer players. And, and I think it's, uh, it's a pivotal point in, this, in the sense that they're catching up with the rest of the world. Yeah. Right? And um, you look at some of the, 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 you look at the world rankings in the last five years and look at those countries, they've steadily moved up in the world rankings. Yeah. And I think that's a kind of a pivotal point. I think after this World Cup, you'll see what you'll see is a delta in the next 10 years, a rate of change in the next 10 years of kids um, who have been inspired by the World Cup being in Qatar and uh, kind of go to fruition from there and, and you'll see them join the national team and play for clubs. Like, why can't the Qatari play in the Premier League, right? Yeah. And play for, like, Manchester United or Arsenal or Chelsea, so, yeah. Perfect. Real quick, before we continue the conversation, which club team do you support? I'm a Chelsea fan. been oh. a Chelsea fan since uh, 98, since, like, Gianluca so- Vialli, Gianfranco Zola, Tori Andre Flo. The likes of those guys. Perfect. We can continue this. We can continue this show. Um, <laughs> you mentioned you lived in multiple continents. Talk about uh, football from your lens. You know, being in the states, playing in England, growing up in the Middle East. What is it from your lens being able to have kind of a worldview of the of the global game? Yeah, you know, um, soccer, football is a world's game, right? And uh, you look at it, it's uh, it's the largest 
sport in the world, two and a half billion soccer players in the world today, as I say. And, um, and for me, I've had the, the gift and the gratitude to grow up in multiple different continents and look at it from different lenses. And each, each part of the world is, uh, there's a few things that connect cultures. It's music, sports, right? And mm -hmm. those are two common interests that we can always find something and create a relationship with. And so you look at soccer from that nature, it's, it's a way, if I have a soccer ball, I relate to many people when I walk down the street. If I have a Brazil jersey on, at least someone will stop me or an England jersey, someone will stop me and you can, they can relate to you. Um, so it's your identity. That's kind of the way I look at it, wherever you travel to. And it's a way of people recognizing you and um, obviously building relationships and a faster bond with you uh, over the course of time. But each country and subset of people is different in the way they appreciate the sport. I always say, you look at the USA and the cultural relevance of the sport, it's growing rapidly, but at the same time, the 2026 World Cup will accelerate what's happening. But at the same time, you have many other sports you fight against here in the US because the mindset, the mindset change that needs to happen here for soccer to be adopted. And I was saying until the kids of today have kids, that's when you'll see a growth uh, in, in, in the sport of soccer. But, um, and that's my kind of viewpoint within here so far. No, most definitely. And I, I want to give you a moment to share about your career too. You know, I feel sure. like everyone knows AJ, the CEO, the businessman, the silent assassin that knows a lot of different people, but not a lot of people know about your own soccer career and how that's helped you in, in your business spaces now. Yeah, um, you know, there's, direct, there's a direct uh, correlation uh, between sports and uh, life, right? And there's a direct uh, correlation between um, soccer and life as well. And I think when you look at the regiment approach and the culture that you build and the mindset you build being an athlete, uh, which you are, and maybe you can relate to this, uh, and then you take that mindset and you apply it to business is why so many athletes are successful in business after the fact mm -hmm. uh, because they just take the simple nuances which they learn which is just work ethic right um building a team bond with the people around you building uh, and, right. and and obviously building the cultural relevance uh, to go with that but there's many other facets outside of that and for me that's really helped me and that's the application that i used uh, outside of that, and um, I think it's helped me accelerate my career trajectory in, in the uh, in the entrepreneurship world, in the business world, in the, in the investment world, in the finance world. Uh, it's helped me in many different ways, just using that same framework and um, just different things my coaches would say to me, right? And and life's an inside game. Life's all about how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself, and so whatever you believe to be true is what will occur in your life. And so it, it's one of those things that. Um, when I look at my career as, as a soccer player, um, having gone from playing for the academy of a professional club with the setbacks, being released at 18, um, being told that I didn't get professional contracts, from there going to university on a scholarship um, for three years, getting my bachelor's in business and marketing, after graduating, moving out to the States, moving to Kansas City and playing there, and still having the longevity of a, a, having a soccer career after uh, obtaining a degree is something that uh, has kind of made me the human I am, right? Mm -hmm. Being told, okay. But then a lot of people hold that and that could have pulled a lot of people back. But it's one person's subjective opinion about you exactly. doesn't really define you. 
right? Because you all have an opinion about something. I mean, you might like uh, chips or fries or you might like uh, burgers, but I don't. And so that's your opinion, right? Mm -hmm. You might like, um, I don't know, the city of Dallas, but I don't. So it's the same way that you might like uh, Derwin Jones, who's a football player, or whoever else is your favorite football player, but I don't. So um, I think it's it's a but a lot of people use that to kind of define themselves a lot, and it's it's just a mindset shift and a mindset game. And that's what's really helped me kind of crossing that chasm between being a, an athlete and a, an entrepreneur. No, most definitely. So what about for anyone that's trying to follow in your footsteps, what advice would you have for them in terms of like breaking into the sports business space? Because you've done it, you know, so seamlessly well. Yeah, you know, we, we all have a romantic point of view about the way we want life to play out. And what I mean by that is um, we all think we go through like, all right, well, I'll go on Indeed. I'll apply for uh, a role that I'm interested in and um, I'll get an interview and then uh, that's the way it should work. Yeah. I'm all about breaking barriers and thinking outside the box. And I always say the advice I would give any young entrepreneur or prospective entrepreneur or anyone looking to kind of um, get into their dream role is that doing the job before you get the job is the best way to get the job. And what I mean by that is just going the extra mile. Like whoever it is that you're interested in being, uh, or whatever company you're interested in being associated with or working for, go on LinkedIn and message whoever the C-suite exec is in that company and say, hey, I want to work for free. You know, like I want to intern for you for three months. I want to work for free, whether I'm at a, a photocopy machine or I'm bringing you Starbucks, whatever that is. But crossing that chasm, again, that's your entryway or entry ticket into that organization. Then proving your work, your worth through your work ethic. Right, because there's a couple of different uh, teachable assets in life, and then there's some non-teachable assets in life, which is your work ethic and your personality. And so, I think um, that's one way uh, I would say is my biggest advice to any sort of young person or anyone listening to this: just doing the job before you get the job is the best way to get the job. No, I love that. You hear that, young kids? You know, it's not just going to be handed to you. You got to put the work in. You know, so uh, I think that's valuable advice. I know I've seen it firsthand where. First and foremost, you got to get in the door. They got to notice you, especially C-level execs. They're busy, so they like they don't want their time wasted. So once you get in the door, you got to prove yourself. And like you said, personality also plays a role as well. Um, obviously, you are the CEO of Tech Ball. We're going to get into that. But you didn't just graduate and then finish playing and go to CEO of Tech Ball. You did some other things beforehand. So what was your personal break into you know the entrepreneurship space, the uh, the sports business space for you? Yeah, you know, um, so my my sort of journey uh, began back in Kansas City when I made the transition from uh, playing into entrepreneurship and basically uh, pretty much figured out that um, I think some people are operators, some people are entrepreneurs, and then some people are entrepreneurs is what I always say. And so it's like, uh, which one are you? And so therefore you have to have perspective, first of all, know yourself. Right. And part of knowing yourself is like you can go to your five best friends and say, hey, what's my strongest skill set and what are my biggest shortcomings? And uh, they can tell you and part of that and you can kind of develop your own perspective. Um, but at the same time, intuitively, you should know what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And so if you have entrepreneur and entrepreneurial tendencies, you know where your strengths are, lean towards your strengths. I'm a big fan of over indexing 
on the strength of that sales, if that's um, kind of uh, organization, if that strategy, whatever that is, you'll pretty much figure out tangentially what that is and how you can apply it to uh, the business world. And then from that, um, I had the opportunity to um, run a sports apparel brand. And I came in as national business development manager for this brand. Um, essentially, uh, we manufactured sporting goods and apparel overseas. And we imported goods into the U.S. We had seven, we had seven factories around the world. Uh, we manufactured goods and went B2B and we sold to big box retailers, the likes of Dick Sporting Goods, Walmart, and the Target to the world. And uh, with that company, I was with them for seven years and um, kind of grew through the hierarchy chain there from uh, national business development manager to uh, vice president and then to COO, where I finished my tenure there. And um, that company was eventually um, sold in 2019. And um, yeah, so from that, I met the founders of TechBall and um, jumped on board with, uh, with, with TechBall USA and uh, kind of growing the game here on the US level. So, but that was sort of my journey, my journey there. And so it wasn't, um, I had to work obviously mm-hmm. for, for what, what I have, um, where I am, I should say today. Um, but overall it was, um, kind of the people around me recognizing that, Hey, the work ethic was there. And, um, I, I would say that's my biggest superpower. It's just, I'll outwork anyone, anytime I'll stay up to two way. I don't care. I'll just yeah. get it done. I, I believe in GSD, which is get stuff done. And um, and that therefore I'm heavily results driven, and that's kind of um, yeah, that's really the big thing. No, I love it. Uh, real quick, you know, as CEO, COO, you know, getting deals done. What is your one like trick to get a partnership done, or like any sales advice? Um, sales is really relationship, right? Mm-hmm. It's relationship building. And um, it's it's a negotiation as well. I mean, um, the biggest thing is we, we're always negotiating as human beings, whether it's like, hey, me making a reservation at a restaurant and saying, hey, you good with this restaurant? And you go, nah, I prefer this one. Or like, so we're negotiating now. From birth, we're always negotiating. And then the second part is, uh, just your relationships, right? Um, your network is your net worth. You've heard that saying before many times. And yeah. reality is it's true. And then there's, there's the, obviously um, the, 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 the average of the five people you spend time with. But overall, the quickest way to get deals done is just relationship. Mm-hmm. And if you're a likable human and people like you, then um, you're more likely eight times, nine times out of 10 be able to get a deal done. The other part is... Um, uh, I'm a big believer in uh, the power of not only asking for what you want, but also just being a good human, right? And I think treating people the right way and over-indexing and bringing value to them without asking in return. Um, and then when the time comes for you to ask, they'll get it done times 10. Yeah. So that's really important to kind of recognize. And what I mean by that is whether like, hey, I'll make an introduction on your behalf. You didn't ask. But I did it and uh, I'll make three introductions. So that's something I kind of place a lot of emphasis on as to how I connect. I can connect the dots for others and bring value for others. Um, and then, hey, um, those people are in my network. And when the time comes, uh, they just know or when I need to do, get a deal done, I can ask for a favor. And, okay. and they know that, uh, yeah, just in the past, I've helped them and vice versa. So. No, that's what it's all about. When you give and give and give, you end up receiving. So I love that advice. And I think 
you know, more people need to heed to that. Um, yeah. let, let's get into tech ball. So 2019, you're off the, you know, off the big win. Did you know about tech ball before they reached out to you? Uh, yes, I had uh, seen TechBall at a trade show in 2016, 2017, okay. and uh, played it. My first impression, I knew what it was. I'd seen it on social media, which uh, most people have seen it, and then um, thought it was a very cool game. I mean, we all play. If you're a soccer player, it's in your DNA. You played some form of soccer tennis, yeah. trying to kill time, or on a Friday practice, whatever it was, or when a game's going on. And so um, I, I thought it was a very cool game. And um, yeah, so I, I had heard of it before they reached out to me. That's amazing. And for those that don't are aren't familiar with tech ball, can you talk about its origins and like the dynamic of like the board? Why it's the way it's the way, uh, yeah. why it's its way versus just why don't they just buy a ping pong table? Yeah. Talk about the benefits of tech ball and like its original origins. Sure, tech ball is a sport that originates from um, Budapest, Hungary, which is where it was invented. Uh, it was invented by three Hungarian gentlemen playing on a regular ping pong table. And um, one of the guys was an engineer and pretty quickly realized uh, that uh, if he curved the table, it would change the trajectory of how the ball bounces. So if you look at a regular ping pong table and you try and play on a soccer ball there, it just bounces and bounces off. But if it's curved, um, then the ball bounces towards you. Um, and so from that instant, tech ball was uh, sort of born. Uh, they carried on playing in their garages in Budapest, Hungary, and pretty quickly the game caught on um, locally and then nationally in, in Hungary. And um, in 2015, um, there became a, a quite a large demand. And Messi, the Brazilian soccer, uh, the sorry, the Argentinian soccer player, acquired a tech ball table. And uh, posted about it on social media. And so from there, the game kind of caught on. And then in 2016, uh, Neymar, um, the Brazilian soccer player, um, learned about it and received the table as a gift and, and posted about it. And, um, and, and then from there, Beckham, that Ronaldo, um, even, I mean, you look at uh, Justin Bieber. Uh, has one Adam Levine, um, just a, a bunch of athletes. So we have a cross pollination there that's not only soccer players, but also um, the intersection of culture and lifestyle, right? With, with music artists, etc. Conor McGregor is another one. The list goes on. So, no, I love it. I think tech ball is a great introduction, like you said, to not only the athlete, but the cultural icons that are involved in the game or want to learn more about the game. And the game is just uh, amazing. Can you talk about your mission as CEO? Uh, I feel like you're always in a new location, always making deals. But what is your mission at, as CEO of TechBall? Yeah, sure. So we have a couple of different mission and uh, ethos uh, regarding TechBall. The big thing for us is not only the hyperbolization of the sport on a global level, right? Uh, TechBall mm -hmm. is currently present in 140 countries around the world, uh, which is pretty remarkable for a sport that was born seven years ago. Um, and then outside of that, and uh, we made it our main mission statement in 2017 to take tech ball towards the Olympic level. And so now um, part of our goal is for, to, for tech ball to be added as part of the Los Angeles 2028 Olympic Games. Um, as part of that process, there's, as you can imagine, there's a lot of different uh, hoops we have to get through. Uh, to get there. And um, if you look at the tapestry of Olymp Olympic sports, there's many different 
differentiation points. But um, for us, it's more so making the game popular on a global level as well. Um, and then we've launched technical clubs, leagues uh, in different cities around the US and, and globally as well. And then we have our para tech ball, which is for eight and non-able bodied athletes as well that we recently launched, which is a huge project and has grown uh, pretty steadily as well. So. Oh, I love it. How, how are you able to management? Do you have any like time management, like skills that we can apply um, productivity, like efficiency skills? Cause you mentioned all these different things. The growth of tech ball is amazing. Um, but just someone that's, you know, it really admires what you're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm here with my notebook. I just, I just yeah. need to write some, some tips, you know? Absolutely. Um, the biggest thing you have to realize is um, uh, delegation and outsourcing is key, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's number one. Like being the biggest thing we, we sometimes find as human beings is we're romantic about a lot of different things. What I mean by that is um, you get the natural high of like, hey, I accomplished this. Or like, um, I guided this from start to finish. So, or no one else can do it as well as I can uh, because I'm a perfectionist. But you have to give it up and let people fail and realize that like, it's not always going to be perfect. And perfection is the enemy of speed. And so if you want to move as quickly as possible, you need to like, let it go and let them make mistakes and know that it wouldn't always be perfect. Um, the second part to that is... Um, realizing that I always say that uh, a three minute meeting is real. And um, sometimes a lot of people book time on their calendars and like, how many times do you make on your calendar? It's just like automatic 30 minutes. Where did that come from? Right. And that's really, really important <laughs> to think outside the norm there. So my meetings, like I'll, I'll give you an example. Mondays are my, probably my longest, busiest days. I go from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. And usually I'll have anywhere from 16 to 17 Zoom calls on that day uh, in terms of meetings. But at least 12, 13 of those meetings are 15-minute meetings, okay. right? And so I schedule all my meetings in 15-minute increments with different departments. And then I can kind of deep dive. And if I need more time, then I'll set up a longer meeting on a different day, knowing that they need a help and there's a topic we need to dive into for a longer period. Um, when nothing goes past 30 minutes, you don't need 30 minutes. You're like straight to the point. Um, and you, you kind of, uh, you're efficient with your time. Um, go on. No, no, I, I, I love that. I'm incorporating that ASAP. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other part to that is um, realizing that um, human beings overall, if you listen, incorporate the power of listening. Uh, the answers will be there. You have to let people kind of give you the answers. And what I mean by that, a lot of leaders, I always say we live in obvious field or assumption city, right? Um, we either assume that we know everything or like everything's obvious to us. Um, but at the same time, you have to kind of guide people and give them the discovery learning path to kind of get the answers for you. And what I mean by that is like Monday morning, we always start off with like, how's your weekend, right? Instead of saying that, it's like, hey, what's on your mind today? And so let them bring the action plans to you versus you kind of, kind of fill the questions that uh, are usually obvious that everyone else asks. Um, and so that's really important because um, as human beings, sometimes like 
it's, for me, the natural tendency is to kind of, I love developing people. I love building culture and I love scaling. Those are like my strengths, mm-hmm. right? And um, when I say developing people, it's more so I usually identify, identify people's superpower before they know what their superpower is. And a lot of human beings, like we all have a gift. It's just like discovering it. And, um, and a lot of why we can't discover that gift comes down to self-confidence. And our self-confidence comes down to our mindset. And it comes down to what we tell ourselves and how we feel about ourselves when we're by ourselves and what we listen to, every, everything else. So I'm a big believer in that. And um, yeah, so uh, there's very little I consume. I don't watch a lot of TV and I don't. I just listen to soccer news and uh, read books and that's, that's really about it. Wow. So. I love that. L, make sure you clip that masterclass, please. That was, that was some gems right there. Yeah, I want to actually jump in on that. Um one thing you mentioned that you're that you love to do is scale, right? So, you know, Moby and I we're working we're working on Two Cents FC, um, and we're also looking to scale. How do we reach more audiences? How do we kind of grow grow our reach? Um, what are some tips that you can give on that that end, like of how to scale a business, how to scale a you know, a brand? Yeah, so there's many different differentiation points. So you're looking at scaling your podcast. The biggest thing you need to run and, and kind of ask is who, what's the psycho and demo of your listeners, right? What's the age spectrum of them? You can do this via like create a basic job form and, and ask them like what they like listening to. What are the topics that kind of capture their interest? Um, because you may see a spike in some, some uh, hopefully you get a good spike in this one, this episode. But, but like, yeah, <laughs> in terms of like uh, list, listenership and everything else, the other part is to um, ask questions. And what I mean by this is uh, I recently, we, we did a litmus test with my organization where like a lot of the basic nuances and questions that you uh, want to learn regarding the podcast or scaling or, or asking a podcast or intrinsic questions that people want to hear about uh, as far as the way podcasts run. You can find, I don't know if you've heard the, of the, uh, the, the platform called um, Askura. Yep. Q-U-R. Yeah. Yep. You can go on there. There's a bunch of questions people have already asked based on podcasts and different scaling and scalability of it. And that's something there that uh, if you Google like, hey, the most popular podcast questions, the hardest podcast questions, um, as far as that goes, one of the things I like to ask essentially is um, – what is a basic truth that people believe to be true, but you think is wrong? Um, you know, just different things like that. And I think that kind of shifts the mindset a little bit more. I like what you kicked off with. I think that's brilliant. I think if you can do more of that, you're icebreaker. Um, I think that's, that's, that's fantastic. And uh, perhaps something that incorporates the audience as well. So people want to feel like they're participating, right? And, um, and, 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 uh, as human beings, there's, there's a reason, like, I always say human beings are nosy. Like we, we're no, there's a reason the Kardashians win, right? Because we want to know what's going on in their life. We're, we're, we're nosy as human beings. There's a reason there's traffic. It's because we're nosy, you know, yeah. and anything, there's an accident, we slow down and we're looking at what happens. So like, yeah, the more you can feed them to kind of spur that curiosity, I think that the longevity and that's where you'll see uh, a lot more uh, wins moving forward. So. No, that's, yeah, that's, no, that's, that's, that's very Thank helpful. Um, TechQual has been on a, I like to say, hockey stick, and it's only going to continue to climb. I remember when we first touched base, I was like, I heard about you at La Five, and he was like, Yeah, we've we've expanded. We're doing we we need stadiums when we do TechQual tournaments now. 
<laughs> um, so it just speaks to the growth of tech ball. You've, you've done work with players and clubs. Is there one that comes to mind where it's like, I can't believe we got this, was this deal done. This is, this is a big moment for tech ball. Yeah. I mean, I've been asked several times what the highlight of my, um, of the last year or this year is, and it was uh, signing our contract with ESPN. I think uh, when you look at the delta of the last two years and the world melting, right, and um, kind of uh, the ecosystem of what, what's occurred with, with COVID and, and everything else. I mean, over COVID, last year, we ran 36 technical tournaments during COVID um, in 15 different states. And so, like, we didn't stop. Right, the rest of the world stops, but we figured out a way. And I, I, I look at it as like we look at the UFC, how many events they ran last year. That's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, from, from that perspective, so that was a huge moment. We didn't lay anyone off over COVID. That was a huge moment. That's a, a badge of honor, I call it. And then my other badge of honor is kind of signing the uh, the uh, the ESPN contract that we did uh, in, in two years. I mean, just coming in from, I mean. At, different facilities like the five that you know uh to, to kind of being on tv on national tv broadcasted on espn and then looking to do even more with them moving into uh 2023 as well so no that's amazing that's uh, congratulations that's a big deal make sure y'all tune in espn espn plus espn deportes wherever you watch espn tech ball will be there um, so we're on, we're on espn three and espn two okay yeah Perfect. We're going to have that in the show notes for sure. Um, When someone asks you, or I'm sure you get a lot of questions, what's your answer when someone's like, why is tech ball up next? Um, Why is tech ball up next in the sense of like the next sport to catch, uh, catch on? Yeah. Tech ball, pickleball, F1. I feel like it's in that category of these are sports you need to look out for. They're coming and no one's getting in their way. Um, yeah. So why is tech ball up next? Uh, first of all, you look at the um, you look at the psycho and demographic of uh, Gen Zs and millennials, or the term I always use is zillennials, right? Mm-hmm. You look at you look at that psycho and demographic, and you look at um, the sort of the consumption rate of uh, Gen Zs in today's world, right? And uh, what what that looks like. I mean, the way we consume sports is changing, right? Everything we want is quick and we want it now and it's action-based. And that's been spurred on by the algorithms, the likes of TikTok and what ByteDance have done. And and, and you look at Instagram, et cetera, and everything else, you scroll through and you look at stories and like, that's it. Um, And so, the way we look at that now is the way consumption is going to move forward is that everything's action-based and like it's quick, it's 15 minutes, um, it's, it's quick games and it's to the point and it's, it's short. And um, from that perspective, I think like in the future, the way it's going to look like is like, I don't know, it's the 88th minute of uh, a soccer game or a basketball game, it's tied and you can pay five bucks to log in and watch the extra time or overtime or whatever it is. Um, and, and kind of. Did you invest in buzzer last 20 minutes? No, I did not. No. <laughs> okay. That's a, you just explained like, that's a similar, uh, yeah, so I, was I, like, I, need, I need to invest in buzzer. sounds like based <laughs> on that. 
<laughs> oh, most definitely. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think, and then you look at, um, obviously, skateboarding being added to Tokyo Games this past year. Mm-hmm. Then outside of that, you look at uh, breakdancing being added to Paris in 2024. I mean, the commercialization of sports like pickleball and, and the rise of those sports, um, I think tech ball appeals to the Gen Xs, uh, the Gen Zs and the millennials of today's world more than it does the baby boomers. Right. And so that's why I think um, we will win. And when we add tech ball to and it's synonymous with being cool, right, because Justin Bieber plays it. Um, And when you look at tech ball being synonymous with uh, Adam Levine playing it or David Beckham playing it, uh, those are people that like are cool. And so that elevates our branding and IP to a large degree. And then we also do uh, strategic partnerships with uh, the likes of the X Games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the X Games is cool, and right. And so um, from that perspective, I almost look at us more as a, as a Red Bull company than I do your traditional um, your traditional sports company. Because once you attend our tech ball events, it's not just a live sporting event; it's a festival, right? Mm-hmm. We have music, we have DJs, we have like different things going on. We have clappers, we have like glow sticks, diff- everything there. Um, so it's almost like. Um, it's a great time. And so, and more than just your average sporting event. And um, for that reason, I think uh, we will win in perpetuity. And um, for us, I mean, pickleball's different. You look at the rise of uh, what, where they're going, I think we're going in a different direction in terms of the way we're bringing our brand and IP mm-hmm. globally. So. No, I love that. Obviously, you're at MLS Cup. Oh, sorry, not MLS All-Star. Uh, we got to mm-hmm. see you in person for the first time. Uh, you were moving and shaking. If I was a betting man, would it be safe to say, obviously MLS has their skills challenge versus uh, League MX. Within five years, let me say within three years, there is a skills tech ball challenge between MLS and League MX at the All-Star game. If I was a betting man, would you tell me that you could probably make that bet or? Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. Uh, we move pretty quickly, and um, yes, yeah, so um, <laughs> I, I can't say too much, but yes, uh, that they're breaking will, news uh, here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, watch your space is all I'm going to say. Uh, okay. But again, uh, I always say like we move very quickly. I mean, oh. in the last two years we're on ESPN, and then where do we go from there? So it's uh, you look at the likes of US Soccer, MLS, and their natural synergies there. So. No, I love that. Appreciate that for sharing. And uh, I'll take it away. So before we kind of jump into rapid fire, like what are some of your future plans for the sport? I know you mentioned um, and also kind of break down like the different types of tech ball tables that exist. You know, you mentioned you, you guys just installed uh, a permanent one in Dallas that you didn't unveiling for. And then I know there's some other uh, semi-permanent models as well. So first kind of like what are the different models and then like what's the future like what's the next plans? Yeah, so uh, first of all, uh, two questions, both are diametrically opposite. The first question, uh, different models. We have a tech smart table, which is on wheels. Uh, it's foldable. It's made from um, a high-grade material, high-grade steel material, which we've won many awards for in Europe and globally as well. 
Um, and that's predominantly used by um, professional clubs like PSG, Man City, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Chelsea. In the Premier League, uh, 20 out of the 20 Premier League clubs have technical tables. And then um, outside of that, we have our tech light version, which is almost like a backyard version. It can be used at home use um, or in parks and wherever. Then we have what we call our Tech One table, which is a permanently installed table. It's the one we've just installed in Dallas, Fort Worth today. It's the one that we have installed in uh, close to South Beach in Miami, uh, right by Ocean. Um, it's the same one that we have installed in Houston and in California and different parts of the country right now. Um, that's basically indestructible, and I, I use that term in the sense that, like, hey, it can withstand inclement weather. Uh, rain, snow, sunshine can live outdoors for more than a decade. Um, and so, yeah, that's um, that sort of uh, the, 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 the three versions that we have there. And then as far as the future plans go, we have many, many big plans. And especially myself, I'm, uh, I'm, we move very quickly and uh, I have pretty grandiose plans for the sport as far as uh, the direction of travel we're headed in. And I think for us to create enough inertia, the biggest thing is scalability, right? And uh, the hyperbolization of the sport. And um, part of that is building brand IP with different clubs in the MLS. Like in the MLS right now, 19 MLS clubs have technical tables in our training ground at their stadiums and use it in the fan zone, et cetera. Um, the other part of it is kind of the, the growth of the athlete pool that play tech ball as a sport, right? And you look at tech ball, we have many different verticals, right? We have table sales. Um, then we have um, our app. We have uh, an AI-driven application called Skiller, which we, we created and, and launched three years ago. And uh, we're still growing that part of uh, our, our sort of pillar right now. And then we have the gambling side of things, which is a huge potential that we're looking to kind of branch out into uh, as well. And then we look at the global IP that, and the rights that we own of, of the table patent uh, globally as well. And then you look at the athlete pool, uh, growing our athlete division and then experiential we have events uh, as well and then we have broadcasting in the commercial side of things uh, as well I mean uh, you look at uh, many different organizations out there today that are looking for content and so that that creates obviously a pathway there and an opportunity for us as well um, so I think there are many different directions and then outside of that we were also looking at I mentioned our paratechnical division um, and then I, I see a direct integration into the Web3 side of things as we move forward. Um, I'm a big proponent there and, uh, as far as just the Web3 space. And so. Big vision. Nice, nice. Big plans. Yeah. Love it. A lot of big visions. And that is, it sounds very similar to, you know, kind of what we're trying to do with Two Cents FC and like our kind of vision for growing the game in the black community. I, I, I won't get into the, to the whole uh, granular stuff of that, but definitely I see some synergies there and we definitely love to talk offline of like how we can kind of integrate potentially. Um, sure. Well, let's jump into some rapid fire questions, some fun stuff. Uh, so, you know, you a worldly man have lived four continents, like you mentioned before, always traveling. Um, you know, we know that you played professionally. Um, you're a aerospace, have an aerospace engineer, engineering degree. What is one interesting fact about yourself that most people wouldn't know? Um, one interesting fact about me is uh, I'm very EQ smart, uh, is what I would say. Um, I'm pretty intuitive as far as um, I would say uh, just human beings and mm -hmm. uh, human behavior. Um, so that's something there that, that uh, 
I think it's allowed me to kind of build culture because you need human capital to scale. You need human capital to uh, be successful, right? You can't do it on your own. And so part of that is the not only the, the management of humans, but the leadership of humans and understanding how to not only treat human beings, but inspire them to pull in the same direction. Yeah, no, that's a that's a dope uh dope uh feature to have. I don't, I don't say feature, but a dope uh what's the word? Give me give me the word. Give me the word. Quality. Uh, quality. <laughs> quality. Yeah. Drawing blanks here, sorry. Um so like as I mentioned before, you're very, very busy, um, always running around. Um to kind of get you in the zone for like a meeting, a big meeting or a big presentation, what's on your, your playlist? Oh wow, I rarely listen to I really listen to music. He's um, listening to a podcast before a meeting, like, hey, yeah. how do I lock in? So, so it can I even be listen. that, right? Like, like yeah, what do you yeah, it could be a I podcast listen, as well. I'll listen to a book. I'll listen to a podcast. I, 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 I'm able to read a lot quicker now with audio books. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of what, what I'm on. Uh, I, I rarely listen to music. All right, what's the best book that you've read or listened to in the past, I guess, 12 months? Oh, wow. Um, uh, there's two books. Um, Zero to One by Peter Thiel um, yeah. is, uh, is a fantastic book. It talks about kind of the paradigm shifts of the building blocks of Uber, Facebook, etc., Yahoo, and how those companies are, are not going to be recreated in our lifetime unless uh, it's a company that comes in and vertically attacks the space because those companies are horizontal. Um, and then um, a book called the, the the Ride of a Lifetime um, by um, Game Changer. Uh, yeah, yeah, of Game course, yeah, Disney. Uh, that's a great book um, that that I read, and I think uh, just when you talk about core leadership and just day to day being a CEO, I think that's something there that uh, a lot of people can extrapolate a lot of data and information from in real times. Yeah, no, no doubt. You guys soak up this game. Um, I read Zero to One, definitely a good book. Um, I'm going to check out Ride, Ride of a Lifetime as well. So thank you for those. Um, so you guys have worked with tons of athletes. You know, you mentioned Beckham, Messi, Neymar. What's your dream collab um, or client to have for Tech Ball? Um, dream collab or client? I mean, it, it's uh, we've been gifted and, and been lucky that we've had the um, the opportunity to work with i mean um some of uh, the best soccer players on earth right and you look at uh ronaldino's our official ambassador uh, all the other soccer players are organic you know the likes of robert pires Puyol, um simao barbosa all of them messi ronaldo it's all been organic we don't pay these guys um, they just fall in love with it and the natural synergy of just playing, having fun. Uh, they want to post about it and they want to be involved. Um, and so um, from that perspective, I think when you talk about a dream collab, I mean, we've done a lot of different things and I would just say maybe it's branching out into music. Um, mm -hmm. That's one of the key, key things there. I think more musicians playing tech ball or integrating the sport uh, into day-to-day -day would be great. I think like you look at culture and you look at the likes of uh, like whether it's Drake uh, or someone like that kind of adopting tech ball playing, playing on a table. I think that changes the whole game. And I think that's probably something I would look at as a, a, a dream collapse. Oh, no, that's dope. That's dope. Uh, and you mentioned like that, 
that a social capital that you guys have been able to get for free is like game changer. Like those types of guys have, you know, millions of followers, hundreds of millions of followers. And like, that's that free marketing is you can't, you can't buy that. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Um, so, you know, you can play tech balls, doubles or singles. Um, so if you're running doubles, who will be your partner in a tech ball match? Uh, doubles, my partner in tech ball match, I would say, um, I would go for David, David Beckham. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Bring it home, bring it home. Oh, uh, real would... quick. Oh, go All ahead, right. go ahead. Oh. No, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, because I know, uh, we, uh, on the, on the top of a rapid fire, favorite workout to do. I know you're big on fitness, health as well. What's your favorite workout? Oh, wow. Favorite workout. I love a good long distance run followed by like a hit high intensity cardio workout. Um, so um, at the same time, like same workout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I do that. So this is the way I always think about it. A lot of people look at the workout and they dread it. For me, the, my workouts are my hardest part of my day. So the rest of my day mentally is easy. So mm-hmm. when I have to take that 18th Zoom call or that like 16th phone call, it's like easy because this morning at 6 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. I was dying. You know, I wanted to stop and just lay on the couch or like just breathe. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, well, what's another call? That's nothing. It's I just have to jump on the phone and talk about something I love, you know? So if you, it's, it's a mindset shift again, right? It's just reverse engineering. And so that's where I've always been and thought about my workouts. That the hardest thing I do in my day and then the rest of my day is easy. So, um, but overall, yeah. So it's usually a long distance run. I'll do five miles and I'll jump in and do a hit workout. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> so he knows my cousin really well. And I'm telling you, the type of workouts they do is different. It's, I'm just going to say that. <laughs> you don't, don't join them unless you're ready. Unless you're ready to work. <laughs> That's true. Sure. Yeah. All right. Last one. You mentioned how busy you are, you know, 18 Zoom calls a day, always traveling. What's your favorite thing to do to unwind and to kind of turn off? Um, favorite thing to do, I do a lot of yoga. I think it's it's the one time that I can really be in my own head. And then I, I actually, one of my favorite things is to run. I like running because I solve my biggest business problems or life problems when I'm on my own and I run. I think there's a certain power to being alone that becomes addictive after a while, uh, as much as being around other people. And I think uh, being alone in your own head is invaluable because um, I think uh, a lot of the time you can kind of, I would say, uh, decentralize from the real world and then conceptually kind of build up in terms of making plans of what you want to do and then how you want to attack those plans. Um, so one of my favorites just to meditate and just yoga and then just kind of just run or read a book. And that's, that's really about it. So like that's I said, nice I didn't watch television. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. And we got one more. Moby just added one more. Um, since you travel a lot, I'm sure you have a lot of, you know, travel hacks and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. kind of twofold. First one, what's your favorite airline? And then second one is like, what are like some travel hacks that you have that kind of make your life easier on the road? Yeah. Yeah, um, favorite airline, American, all the way. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. so American. Yeah, I know. I, I could go Delta. Yeah. 
a substantial amount of uh, Delta rewards, but yeah. Um, and then travel hack, uh, I think the biggest thing is just being efficient in the way you pack. Um, I pack, um, I always take my, for me, my workout, uh, my really who I am, right? They, they're my identity and my fitness stuff. So um, I always pack my workout gear and then thereafter everything else that um so my my big thing that's one thing and then if you're packing if you're doing a, always a carry-on uh second of all and then uh i i buy food before i get to the airport so therefore mm-hmm. i don't have to um buy airport food because a lot of the time people who travel a lot their diet goes down just because so i i'll stop and grab a salad and i'll I'll bring it with me on a plane and, and kind of, yeah, my own food. And then just buy a huge bottle of water because one of the things you lack on plane is hydrating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always play this game where I'll finish a whole liter of water before we land from the time we get off and then we, then we, then we land. So. Mm. Love that. Yeah. Definitely taking notes on that one as well. All right, Moby, what you got? Nah, AJ, thank you so much. If anyone wants to, you know, support you or potentially connect with you, I know you're a busy man, but how can they uh, follow Tech Ball? You know, learn more about some of the projects that you got going on. Yeah, you can follow us at USA Tech Ball at USA Tech Ball, or you can connect with me obviously on LinkedIn. Um, AJ Noiso on on LinkedIn um, is always a great place to kind of uh, reach out and connect with me in real time. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram as well, same name AJ Noiso. Um, but yeah, overall, uh, welcome any conversation. So, uh, thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, the fortune is in the follow-up. He's gave you his time. He gave you a masterclass. Take advantage of someone that's doing big things. Tech ball is here to stay. Um, but that's our show for this week. Thanks again, AJ, for making, making time, safe travels, wherever you're heading to next. Um, subscribe, rate and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on the socials at two cents FC show. Check out our merch at twocentsports.shop. I'm rocking one of the tees right now. And then tweet us your comments on the show and any topics you want me or L to discuss. That's it this week. The only show where you're getting unfiltered thoughts and opinions. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I appreciate you.